Well, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, we're continuing, of course, our study of the gospel of Luke. And Luke presents Jesus as the perfect man. He is the Savior. He is the King. Jesus is almost to Jerusalem. You remember, he has left the northern part of Israel, which is Galilee. He's on his way to the capital city, Jerusalem, so that he can die and rise again to pay for our sins. He has stopped briefly at Jericho. That's the city. It's about 18 miles from Jerusalem. For the last couple of weeks, being in Jericho, we've seen two things. We've seen the healing of a blind man. He was out Inside the city, he called Jesus the son of David because he was a believer. And then we saw the salvation of a tax collector's name was Zacchaeus. This is the man that climbed up in the tree and believed in Jesus Christ. This morning, it's a famous parable because Jesus talks about the kingdom and rewards. As we look at this passage, we're going to see several things. We're going to see, number one, that in the future... Jesus will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will rule the world. Also, we'll see that faithful service will be rewarded. And so as we study this this morning, two goals, two things sort of stand out. Understand the time of the kingdom, because some of the people were confused when they were with Jesus. This time, they thought the kingdom was then. We know that the kingdom is in the future. And the second thing is we want to be faithful to serve Jesus Christ as we await his return. There's some great things there. So as we study the passage, I pray we can gain some of that this morning. Well, there are different views on how the end time events will fit together, but if you study the Bible from a historical, literal, grammatical interpretation, what you realize is everything flows around the two comings of Jesus Christ to the earth. I want you to think about that for a second. There are two comings of Christ to the earth. The first one, he comes, we've seen it in the Gospel of Luke where he was born in Bethlehem. He became a human being, of course. He walked on the earth for 30, 33 years. He had a three, three and a half year ministry and then died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. That's his first coming to the earth. There is a second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. It'll be in the future. He comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He comes to this earth as found in Revelation 19, beginning at verse 11, and he comes as the King. Now, there is another coming of Christ in the clouds. It's not to the earth. It's called the rapture where we as the church, the body of Christ, has taken off the earth. But in this passage, Jesus is emphasizing the two comings of Christ to the earth, the first coming to die, the second coming to reign. Now, as we look at this passage, he wants people to understand these comings that he came the first time to die, that he comes the second time as the king. Now, he's going to teach a parable. We'll start in verse 11. We'll see that. And it's to clear up a misunderstanding. Now, understand this. Some of the people, in fact, many of the people that were with Jesus, they were thinking that the kingdom was going to start right then. They thought Jesus was going to go into Jerusalem. He was going to march right in. They were going to defeat the Romans. He he is the greater son of David. He would go sit on the throne of Jerusalem and and Israel would become the the, the kingdom of the world and Jesus would be the king. That's what they thought was going to happen right then. Now he wanted to know something. He wanted to understand that, wait a minute, no, that's going to happen one day. Jesus is going to come a second time as the king and he's going to rule in righteousness. But he wanted for them to remember that the first time that he goes, first time that he's come, it's to die the second time to reign. So we want to be able to put this together. As we look at the passage, two things sort of stand out, okay? One is the kingdom, talking about being future. The second, and this is the one that's really the key for us that we think about today, and that's the whole idea of faithful service. Because Jesus Christ will reward us when he comes. Well, let me break down the passage for you. Okay? Here's the passage. It starts with verse 11 and goes through 27. But the first part is confusion on the coming of the kingdom. That's why he raises the parable to talk about it. Then there's the parable of the nobleman. It starts with verse 12 and goes through verse 26. As he talks about this, he talks about the kingdom being in the future. He then talks about ten slaves who are really the, the believers, and he gives them responsibility. And then as we continue, we're going to see that when he comes back, the king rewards faithfulness. The king rebukes 
unfaithfulness. And then at the very end, it's a little bit hard passage. We'll look at this at the end. The king judges the enemy. We'll see who the enemy is. We'll put it together as we go through it. There's so much in this section of God's Word. Now, let's remember where we are. Jesus is passing through Jericho. Now, if you remember that when he first came to the edge of Jericho, Jericho's 18 miles east of Jerusalem. As he was coming into the city, there was this blind man down there who understood that Jesus was the Messiah. And, and, and he asked, who's coming by? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He was recognizing Jesus as the Savior, and so Jesus healed him. He gets into Jericho, and as he gets into Jericho, there's this little man who's a tax collector. His name is Zacchaeus. He's not a believer at this point, but he wants to know who Jesus is. He's really open. He climbs up in a tree. Jesus calls him and says, come down. And what happens that day is this man believes in Jesus as his Savior. And that's where he is. Now, Jesus is about to leave Jericho. Now, let me tell you, we talked about last week, but here's what's going to happen. He's going to leave Jericho and go 18 miles. When he gets about the 18 miles, he's going to start up a hill. The hill is called the Mount of Olives. On the top of that hill, there are at least two cities. There may be three, but there are two little villages. One was called Bethage, and the other is called Bethany. He, we're going to see he does something there. He then gets to the top of the Mount of Olives. It, directly across the Mount of Olives is the city of Jerusalem. It's built on a mountain called Mount Moriah or Mount Zion. We're going to see that he goes down the side of the Mount of Olives, across a little valley called the Kidron Valley, up the hill, to the city, and there's a golden, there's a big gate there called the Golden Gate, sometimes called the Eastern Gate, and he was going to enter the city that way, and he goes into the temple area. That's the plan. So he is still 18 miles away from Jerusalem, but if you, if you study the Bible, it's not going to be, but just next week, he's going to be coming into the city. So we'll see it as we go through it. But he has stopped in Jericho, healed the blind man, met Zacchaeus, who's become a believer, and, and he stops to tell a parable to the crowd. Now, why did he do that? Well, because a lot of the people that were with him and that were shouting and talking and wanting to be with him, they all thought that Jesus is going to set up the kingdom right now. You may not realize this, but next week as we go through it and he comes into the city... Even when he comes to the city and people are all shouting and saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king who comes. Some of his disciples are going to be arguing even then over who's going to have the top two places in the kingdom. Because they thought he's going to start the kingdom. And they're looking for the two top places. That's the plan. We're going to find out later on when we come to what we call the Last Supper where it's the Passover meal and Jesus is with the men. You may not realize this, but at the start of the Last Supper, they are arguing over who's going to have the top two positions in the kingdom. They're all thinking that Jesus is coming there and he's going to set up the kingdom. And, of course, they forgot what he said. Let me read something to you. This is found in Luke 18, verse 32 and 33. He's already told them what's going to happen when he gets to Jerusalem. Here's what it is. He says, For he will be handed over to the Gentiles. He will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him. And the third day he will rise again. He's already told them what's going to happen. They're confused. They're thinking maybe the king's going to happen. You know, kingdom's going to come and the king's going to be there. But he's already told them he's going to Jerusalem to die. This is his first coming. 
being the king comes at his second coming. So we're going to see as we look at the passage that he talks about the kingdom being future and he talks about rewards. Notice verse 11. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. Now, they were listening. It says, while they were listening to these things. What things? Well, Jesus had just told the crowd that Zacchaeus had become a believer. If you remember that when they got to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus became a believer and he started telling Jesus, he said, you know what? From this point on, I'm going to give away half what I have to the poor. And if I defrauded anybody, and I have, I'm going to give back fourfold. I'm going to do all the right things. Jesus looks to the crowd. He talks to Zacchaeus, but he also looks to the crowd and says, today salvation has come to this household. And he says, for he, this man, is a son of Abraham, meaning he's a believer. So Jesus publicly tells everybody that Zacchaeus, the one they all hated, the one who was the rich man who, who was a tax collector and took all their money, he, Jesus is telling them he's a believer now. And then Jesus ended that little section by saying, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. That was really powerful. Now, while all that's happening, he then goes on to tell a parable. Notice what it says. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to happen immediately. Now remember what a parable is? It's a story. It's a story to teach a truth. And as we look at this parable, there is a truth being taught about the kingdom and about rewards and all of those things. Notice the problem. Sometimes in a parable, you'll read a parable and, and, and Jesus will tell one and he doesn't tell you why he told it. He, in fact, he sometimes doesn't even explain them. In this parable, he actually tells us why he's telling it. It says, they were listening to these things. Jesus went on to tell a parable. Why? Because he was near Jerusalem, and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. They were all thinking it's time for the kingdom. The king's here. That he would go in and he would whip out the, you know, wipe out these Romans, and he'd rule, and he'd be the greater son of David, and everything would happen. Well, what they've forgotten. First coming to die. Second coming to reign. So he tells the story about a nobleman. Let me read this little parable to you for just a second, at least the first part, okay? He, so, so he said, here it is, verse 12, a nobleman went to a district, distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and said to them, do business with this till I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. Now, let me put together the parable for you, okay? Just so you'll grasp it. The nobleman in the parable is Jesus. He's the king. He's the one that says that he was going to a distant country to receive a kingdom and then come back. So the kingdom in this parable is future. It's not now. He's going to go off and get the kingdom and come back. The ten servants are the believers. There's those who belong to him. They're servants and they're his the, the disciples, and he gives them a responsibility. And then finally, now this is the hard part, when it says, but his citizens hated him. The citizens in this parable are the unbelievers, the fallen world. They do hate him. They don't want him to be the king. And we'll see it as we go through. So here's the story. He says there was this nobleman who's going to leave. He was there. He's going to leave, go to a distant country, get the kingdom, and come back and be the king. That's Jesus leaving and going and coming back. And while he leaves, before he leaves, he says to his workers, to his servants, I give you certain responsibilities. I'm going to give you things. And when he comes back, he's going to deal with it. And meanwhile, there's some people there who don't want him to reign. Now, here's the picture. It's the picture of Jesus coming to the earth the first time. And he came to die. He's going to leave, go back to the Father, 
And when he comes the second time, he's coming as the king. He's going to receive the kingdom and come back. While he has gone, he has left his servants, that's us, given us certain responsibilities. And we're going to see what it is. He gives us this and he says, be busy, do stuff till I come. And when he comes back, he's going to deal with us. But also when he comes back, he's going to deal with the citizens of this world, the unbelievers, because they don't want him to be the king. That's what the parable's about, and we'll see how this fits together. There's some great things there. Well, as we see the story, future kingdom and rewards. Let's look at it. Verse 12. So he said, A nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. Now, the nobleman is, is a fancy person, is a person of high authority, and he's gone to this distant country to get a kingdom. Jesus is the nobleman. He's leaving the earth to go back to the Father to get the kingdom and then return. Notice he says, Get the kingdom for himself and then return. The first time Jesus came, he came to die. The second time he comes, he's leaving, going back, coming back to us. He will come as the king. One thing we have to notice is the kingdom is in the future. It's not now. That's what he wants them, first of all, to understand. So the key is that the, the, the kingdom is not right now. Now, and this is exactly what happened. Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, walked on the earth 40 days, ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's there all the way till he comes back to this earth as the king. Now, watch what he does before he leaves. Verse 13. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and said to them, Do business with this until I come back. Now, he calls ten of his slaves and he's going to give each one of them a mina. Now, a mina was about, and this is amazing, it's about a hundred days wages. It was about three to four months salary. Now, that would be a lot of money to them. Let me tell you why. Because in that day, you got up in the morning, you went and you had a job, you were, wherever you worked. At the end of the day, you lined up and the person that hired you would pay you your day's wage. You would take your wage, you would go buy the marketplace, you would buy whatever food you're going to eat that day. You go home and you eat that food because so you don't have refrigerators and everything. You don't have a whole bunch of food at the house. You must get paid every day so that you can have your money, go home, buy the food, eat. And then the next day when you wake up, guess what? You better go earn some money so that you can get your day's wage at the end of the day and go buy your food. That's how they lived. This, this past parable, this nobleman gives to his slaves about four months' salary at one time. A hundred minutes. He takes it. They go like this. Wow, this, this is a lot of money. Uh, we, uh, this is a lot of money. This is just one minute. It's a lot of money. Each one gets one. There's ten of them. He lines them up. He says, here, here. Here, here, here. And they get up. They're going, wow, this is a lot. And the bottom line, notice what he says to them. He says, do business with this until I come back. And the word do business literally means to make business or be busy. He's telling them, I'm going away. And when I come back, I'm giving you stuff to do. I'm giving you responsibility. I'm giving you this. Be busy until I come back. It's true for every one of us in this room who know Jesus Christ is Savior. We are his slaves. We've been bought with a price. We're not our own. Therefore, glorify God in our bodies. That's who we are. He's given to us gifts, talents, time, possession, money, abilities, all these things. He says, I'm entrusting this to you. Remember, we're stewards. And he says, use this. Be busy until I come back. Now, when he comes back, he's going to say, how'd you do with what I gave you? 
It's true for every one of us in this room who know Christ. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, in the parable, you're one that's a servant that he said, here, take this and use it. Be busy until I come back. Because I'm going to get the kingdom, and when I come back, I'm coming back as the king, and I'm setting up the kingdom and ruling in righteousness and justice. We are to serve while we wait for the king to come back and set up the kingdom. The key is faithfulness. Now, this is one of the things you got to understand. It's not success as far as the world is concerned. It is faithfulness. That's the key. Well, that's what happens. Now, the, verse 14, something you have to understand. Notice, he says, But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. Now, understand, the citizens are not the same as the slaves. The slaves are those who belong to him. That's us, the believers. The citizens are the citizens of this fallen world. The ones who do not want Jesus Christ to be the king. They have not believed in Jesus. They don't want him to rule. Remember, our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is where? It's in heaven. We're slaves of Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. These are the citizens of this world that do not want Jesus to rule. And it's true. When Jesus came the first time, the Bible says he came into his own, and his own received him not, rejected him. The world as a whole rejects Jesus Christ. They do not want him to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let me tell you something. When he comes back the second time as king, he's not asking anybody. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will rule in righteousness and justice, and he will rule in all authority and power. Every knee will bow, every tongue, not just believers, everyone, even these citizens. And we'll see what happens to them at the end. So here's the idea. The ones that don't want him to be there, they've rejected him. And uh, they say they don't want him to be king. But every but the truth, one day, Jesus Christ will rule everyone. Now, look what's going to happen. And when he comes back, and this is the bottom line, he's going to come back. He's going to do two things. First of all, he's, when he comes back, he deals with his servants, and he deals with those who reject him. This is what the parable's talking about, but it's the truth as well. Now, let's look first what he deals with his servants. He deals with the believers, and he's going to do two things. Now, this is powerful because it affects every one of us in this room. He rewards faithful service. When Jesus Christ comes back in the parable, that's the nobleman coming back as the king. When Jesus comes back as the king, he will reward faithful service. He gave every one of us something to do. He gave us every one of us gifts, talents, and abilities. He will reward faithful service, but look at the second thing. He rebukes unfaithful service. That's dealing with believers and we're going to see that let's start with the faithful service okay he rewards faithful service look what happens verse 15 when he returned after receiving the kingdom he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they had done now when he comes back as the king and that's the picture that he's coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He ordered the slaves, the believers, the ones that, that belonged to him, the ones that he had given the money, the ones that he had given the gifts, talents, abilities, all of those things. He wants to know what they have done. In fact, he says what business they had done, literally how busy they had been, what they had done. One of these days, you, you will stand before Jesus Christ. And he's coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's going to have you stand before him. He's going to have me stand before him. And he's going to say, I entrusted to you certain gifts, talents, abilities, time, possessions. I gave that to you. And I was gone. And I told you to, to use them. I'm now back. How'd you do? Were you faithful? 
did you take the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given to you, and are you using them for His glory? One day you'll stand before Him. And He rewards faithful service, but He rebukes unfaithful service. Look what He says. So He returned, verse 15, after return, He returned after receiving the kingdom, and He ordered the slaves to whom He had given the money to be called to Him so that He might know what business they had done. Well, the first one came. The first appeared saying, Master, your minna has made ten minas more. Now you realize that's a lot. Ten times what he gave him. And he gave him a pretty good bit for the average guy to have four months' salary. He just made ten times that. And so he comes and he says, Master, I took what you gave me and I used it. And it, it's ten times greater. It's just incredible. He was very faithful. A huge increase. He used wisely what the master had given him, what the king had given to him. What does the king say? It's a very famous verse. Notice what he says. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. You're going to be in authority over ten cities. Now, he says, well done. I think the words well done and good and faithful are all throughout this. And he says to this guy, You did great. Well done. You are good. You are faithful. You are faithful in a little thing. You're going to be in authority over ten cities. Now I want you to understand, he's talking about the kingdom. And he said, because you are faithful here, I'm going to place you in authority over this. Now he said, you were faithful in a little thing. And I'm sure that in that parable, that guy went, that wasn't a little thing. That was a lot of money. He said, no, no, that was little compared to what you're about to get. You're about to have authority over ten cities. You realize that all of us in this room, if you are faithful to use the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the time, the money, the possessions, everything that God has given you, if you are faithful to use that, when you stand before your Savior, He's going to look at you and say, well done. You are faithful in this little stuff I gave you to do now. Guess what? In this kingdom... You're going to have authority over this. Remember the Bible talks about those who are faithful will rule and reign with Jesus Christ. You're going to have places of responsibility. It's a very powerful passage. He says you got authority over ten cities. Wow. As we use the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given to us, we'll be rewarded. What is faithfulness? Well, it's just dependability. It's doing what we're supposed to do. J.B. Phillips, who is a Bible scholar, has a translation, but he says this. He says, nothing we've ever done for him is ever lost or wasted. You will always be rewarded for faithful service. Well, that's the first guy. And you can see the guy going, thank you. Wow. Wow. That's what you'll do, by the way. When you stand before your Savior and you've been faithful, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, you're going to go, may I... I mean, I just did what you told me to do. I mean, I just, and you the one that gave me the power. You're the one that gave me the gifts. You're the one that gave me the talents. You're the one that gave me the time. You're the one that put me there. You did it all. He says, well done. You're faithful. Here, go over there. This is for you. And you're going to go, this is for me? I'm going to get to do this in the kingdom? And I'm going to get to serve you for all eternity? That's what it's going to be. Well, look at the second guy. And the second came, verse 18, saying, Your minna, master, has made five minas. It's five times. He just he was faithful too. Wow. Incredible. And look what he says. And he said to him also, You are to be over five cities. Great ministry, great service, great rewards. Incredible. Well, but we're also going to see that he rebukes unfaithful service. Here's the third one. Here's another one coming. Verse 20. And another one, another came saying, Master, here's your minna, which I kept, put away in a handkerchief. 
What? See, I took what you gave me, and I just put it in a handkerchief and kind of hid it up under something, because I didn't want to lose it. And so, when you came back, here, here's what you gave me. He didn't even use it. He didn't use it. What about the gifts, talents, abilities, time, possession, money, all that the guy he's given to you? Are you using them? Are you taking them? Are you putting them up somewhere and you're saying, it's not that important? Listen to what he says. For I was afraid of you, verse 21, because you're an exacting man and you take up what you did not lay down and you reap what you did not sow. He says, I'm afraid because you, you're kind of hard. And, and, and he didn't have a favorable view of the king and the master. And he was afraid that, that see, you've got to understand something. That, that wasn't his mina. It was his master's. The gifts, talents, and abilities you have aren't yours. They're the things God's given you to use for him. If you don't use it, you're wasting his stuff. And that's what he said to him. He said, well, I kind of hit it because, see, I was afraid of you because you're an exacting man and you take up what you don't lay down and you reap what you did not sow. He doesn't have a favorable view. And I want you to understand there are a lot of believers who don't see God correctly. They think God's hard. They think God's mean. They think God's after them all the time. They think God doesn't want them to have any fun. The truth is he loves you with an everlasting love and he loves you beyond what you can imagine. And he's the one who's gifted you and given you all this so that you might enjoy life and have a great time and one day be rewarded. Some believers see him in the wrong way. This man saw him in the wrong way. Notice what the king says. Verse 22. He said to him, By your own words I will judge you, you worthless slave. Now he's talking to a believer. Don't think he's talking to an unbeliever. The unbelievers are the citizens of the world. He's talking to the believer here. And you know what he calls him? You're worthless. You didn't do. You didn't use. And he goes on to say, Did you know that I'm an exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down, what reaping what I did not sow? If that's how you see me, if you thought that was true, verse 23, then why did you not put my money, notice not your money, my money in the bank, and having come, I would have collected it with interest. He said, Listen, if you think that I'm that tough, and you didn't want to do that, why didn't you at least just go down to the bank, take the money, put it in there, and when I got back, there would have been some interest. All you did was hide it. All you did was not use it. You weren't faithful. He didn't use it at all. And sad to say is there are many believers trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. He's given you spiritual gifts, time, possession, money, all those things. Not faithful to use it at all for the Master. Look what, look what uh, the nobleman says, the king says. Then he said to the bystanders, to the ones standing around, everybody's watching this, take the minna away from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. He says, here, give it, take it over there. Give it over to the guy has got ten. Here. you got eleven now. Thank you. Right? What would they say? They would say, well, well wait a minute. They said to him, Master, he, he's already got ten. He's already got ten. And he says, I tell you, that to everyone who has, more will be given. But to the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. He's saying, listen, I'm going to bless you and you serve me. You think I'm rewarding you? I'm just going to keep on rewarding you. And as you served me now, I'll reward you. And as you serve me in the kingdom, I'll reward you. And as you serve me for all eternity, I will continue to reward you. You're going to keep getting more and more and more because that's the way God is. He's a God of grace and love. But the one who didn't use it, Use it or lose it. It's over here. 
And so the question to each of us, are you using what God has given you for His glory? The time that you have on this earth, and this is the time that you have, are you using it for His honor and for His glory? You realize that if you even give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus Christ, He says you will not lose the reward. But look at this. If you have not served Him, we will not be rewarded. We will be ashamed. First John 2.28 says we will be ashamed at His coming. One day you're going to stand before Jesus Christ in Romans 14.12. Each one will give us account of ourselves. In 2 Corinthians 5.10 we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded for the things that we've done in this body. Every one of us in this room, you're going to stand before Him. And what will He say? Good job. You were faithful. You were faithful in the little stuff that I gave you. Look what I got to give you now so you can continue to serve me on into the kingdom and you can continue to serve me all for all eternity. But the unfaithful, he will look at us and we will say, I'm so ashamed. I didn't use what he gave me. May each of us in this room use the gifts, the talents, the abilities that God has given us so we'd be faithful servants of Jesus Christ while we wait for Him to come as the King, set up the kingdom, and reward us. Well, there's one final thing we have to see. We'll go very quickly through it. This is the rejection. The rejection of the King by the unbelievers. Notice something. Well, don't turn there, but I'm going to read it to you in just a second. When he comes back, notice what he says. But these enemies of mine, these are not his slaves. These are not his servants. These are not those who belong to him. But these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, this is the unbelieving world, bring them here and slay them in my presence. You understand Revelation 19, verses 11 through about 16. It says, I saw the heavens open and the Lord was coming on a white horse and coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword in which he will slay the nations. And what he's going to do when he comes back as the king and he gets ready to set up the kingdom, all the servants will be rewarded or not rewarded and go into the kingdom. And the unbelieving worlds who reject Jesus Christ will be put to death. They will not go into the kingdom. They will not go into the kingdom. Just understand that. Those who do not believe in Jesus will not be with him in the thousand year reign on this earth and then for all eternity. They will not be with him. They will not serve. What have we seen? We've seen Jesus tells this parable so that they'll understand that the kingdom is future, not now. The king said he's going to go and then come back and before he goes he gives them responsibility now, the world didn't want him to reign, but when he comes back, he's going to reward faithfulness, he's going to rebuke unfaithfulness, and when he comes back, the unbelievers will be separated, they'll be put to death. So let me give you something to think about. Here's some applications first. Understand the time of the kingdom. Now, these guys were mixed up. They were thinking, okay, Jesus is going into Jerusalem, he's going to be the king. That didn't happen, that was the first coming. Understand this. That the first coming, He came to die. He came to go to the cross and die for us to pay for our sins. He is the Messiah and the Savior. The second coming, understand that His second coming, that's when He comes to rule and reign in righteousness and justice. And when He comes that second time, He's going to set up a kingdom and unbelievers will not be in that kingdom. They'll be separated. Second, and this is for us, let's be faithful servants as we wait for the King. Hey, use the gifts and talents and abilities and all that He has given to us. Use them. Use them for His glory. 
Because one day you're going to be accountable. See, they're really His. He's saying, I'm giving this to you now to be used for my glory. That's what He says. Use the gifts, talents, and abilities. So think about it. What, what has He given you? The time, the money, the possessions, the spiritual gifts, the talents, the abilities. All of these things are for His glory, for you to be, to be His servant. Be, just remember, He will reward faithful service. When you stand before Him and you have served Him, He'll say, well done, well done. Man crowns success, but God crowns faithfulness. That is the key. It is not how successful you are in the eyes of the world. makes no difference. The only thing that matters is how faithful you are in the eyes of your Savior. See, Jesus will rebuke unfaithful service. I'm, I'm afraid that there are a lot of believers. They have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. They have received the gifts, talents, and abilities and everything from God. And they're taking them and they're hiding them. And they're not using them. And they're just thinking it won't be a big deal when he comes back. But when he comes back, it'll be a big deal. Because those who have faithfully served, he'll say, well done. And those who haven't faithfully served will be embarrassed. What's it going to be like for you? When he sets up the kingdom, will he say, well done? Or will we be ashamed? As we await the return of the king... Our, saint, our King and Savior Jesus, let's be faithful to serve now so that He will reward us in the kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you, Lord, that we might understand the times of the kingdom and how it all works and how that He came the first time to die and the second time to reign. And Lord, we just want to be faithful servants as we await the King. We want to use the gifts, talents, and abilities that you've given to us because we know, Lord, that when you come back, you're going to reward faithful service and you're going to rebuke unfaithfulness. We want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, I thank you for the people in this room. I thank you for our college students. Many of them are going to be just going all over the world and serving you and living for you. And I pray, Lord, that their lives will count for you. And when they stand before you, they'll hear you say, well done. For, Lord, for all of us who are here, we want right now, we want our lives to count for you. We want to use the gifts, talents, and abilities you've given us so we can hear you say, well done. Thank you, Lord, for a great morning. Use us, Lord, for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.